0: Happy Friday to you all! It's another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network, and maybe our most most fun show so far. We're going to give some grades for Royals manager Matt Cueto ahead of this LA Dodgers series, and we have our first guest to ever join us on Locked On Royals, former postseason hero Brandon Finnegan, and we'll wrap it up by looking ahead to tonight's matchup against the Dodgers and Saturday and Sunday. All of that coming up on Locked On Royals. You are locked on Royals. Your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, first things first, thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day we are free and available on all podcast platforms and be sure to check us out on youtube we'll have some live video for you because locked on rose a part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so very very pumped for today's show because we have a postseason hero joining us here in about 10 minutes or so that'll be brandon finnegan who now pitches back in kansas city but for the independent team kansas city monarchs uh he is just Really a fantastic interview, fun to listen to, and he has some insight on that very important outing that he had for the Royals back in 2014, September 30th, the Wild Card game, but that'll be coming up here in about eight to 10 minutes. And as we mentioned, we are going to take a quick look ahead into this Dodger series preview. Alec Marsh getting his first start in the big leagues tonight. So now the youth movement is back in full swing in Kansas City, and hopefully it's going to continue that way heading into the second half. But to kick off today's show, we just did a report card for John Sherman, the owner of the Kansas City Royals. And now I think it's very fitting to give a report card for Matt Quattrero. Because in year one as manager of the Kansas City Royals, if you were to simply look just off of the win-loss record, you'd think that he's failing. You would think that Matt Quattrero is not the right man for the job and i think we're all very aware of the fact that uh, winning in baseball winning at a professional level in general is incredibly difficult to do and macutro is coming from an organization where there's been a lot of winning over there in tampa bay and he brought paul hoover you know, kevin cash the manager over there in tampa said when macutro gets the job or whenever macutro did get the job he was allowed to bring one coach and he decided to bring paul hoover it's a very advanced, analytically thinking coaching staff. Brian Sweeney coming over from Cleveland's bullpen. Zach Bove from Minnesota. But Mac is the head man. And Mac is put in front of the podium, in front of the microphone, every single night. So you're naturally going to get criticism from time to time. You are going to be faced with those harsh questions. Why isn't X happening? Why isn't Y happening? Why are you losing so much? That's a lot of the fans' questions so far through 81 games of this season. But if we can take it back to yesterday and what John Sherman said about this team, I think it's very important that we highlight it in today's episode of Locked on Royals. And I talked about it on Twitter yesterday. Be sure to go give me a follow at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y underscore 15. Don't forget the J in there. I always do that every single time. Forget the J. J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Go follow me on Twitter right now. But John Sherman said that before this season, J.J. Piccolo and Matt Cotrero knew this was going to be an evaluation year. This was going to be tough. And for those of us that think a little bit further, it means a lot of losses. Now, are losses acceptable? No, not at any level. Not in high school, not in college, not in the minor leagues. Not in the big leagues. You got to win to earn back the trust of the fan base. You want fans to show up, you win more baseball games. And a lot of you fans out there maybe don't like the way Matt Quattrero handles the lineup, uh, handles post-game pressers. I think at times by his personality, you look at him and go, does he even care? Right. That's just Matt Quattrero, right? He's a manager that that never really gets into his team. You know, he never really uh, sounds off. He doesn't go into a, a post-game presser. I've been to many of them this year. And you hear Matt Cotro dropping F-bombs left and right. He's very even keel. Not too high, not too low. Even after wins, you'll see him crack some smiles, as you should, because you should celebrate every win. I was also in the clubhouse last year from time to time, gathering audio and covering that team when Mike Matheny was there. It's a night and day difference. Mike Matheny managed like every game was game seven of the World Series. And I can't necessarily fault him for that. It was his second crack at a big league job. He's coming over from St. Louis where that really was the expectation. You have to win 90 to 95 games. And it didn't really flow with where the Royals were at. It was almost like a drill sergeant, you know, trying to control a bunch of guys that had just gotten out of high school. You're not going to respond as well. Now, I wasn't there if Mike Matheny was was screaming at players in closed-door meetings. I I wouldn't know that. All I gathered was that he was a very stern guy. He was great with the media, but you got that feeling, that energy, every time you entered the clubhouse, that the the atmosphere was tense. You know, it wasn't a very loose, fun clubhouse. And if you ask people in the radio industry, in the the writing industry, the TV industry— what the 14 and 15 Royals were like, it was like a party all the time. Now, winning solves all that. You win a lot of games, you celebrate a lot of wins. But last year, weren't a lot of wins to go around. This year, not a lot of wins to go around. But the difference I've noticed has been important. I've been in there a couple of times when they've won games. Well, I won 23 of them. But they've got the music blaring. Guys are laughing. There's a lot of friends on the team. They're close. That is important, even in the year like this. Because you should celebrate every win, no matter what it looks like in the standings. And there's guys that are the clubhouse leaders. There's guys that that players gravitate toward. It doesn't feel as tense. And even in losses, guys aren't moping around. Because this is a a great opportunity to play at the big league level. And even if your team's not winning, you are getting paid to do something you love. And I think Matt Quattro has established that energy with this team. You know, we're all grown men in the clubhouse. That's the difference. You can't coach these guys, control these guys like they're 14, 15, 16-year-old high school kids, where you can scare them. I know we all love to use the Bull Durham quote. Kevin Costner saying, well, you got to scare them. It doesn't always work like that for big leaguers. Everybody's big boys. It's all adults. It's a work environment. I respect you. You respect me. And I think there's a lot of mutual respect between McIntyre, the coaching staff. And these players, that's all we knew about Matt Cuttero coming into spring training. Very laid back. I thought it was a great preseason interview from Nikki Lopez. I'd have to go back up and pull it out. But Nikki Lopez said, at times you don't even know he's there. And maybe on the surface that seems bad because you don't have a lot of guys that are, you know, being pushed or, or they're not getting the right coaching. It's different at the big league level. There's 162 games. You get on a player over and over and over again, they're going to wear down, they're going to burn out, and eventually they're not going to want to play for you. I get that this team wants to play for Matt Petra. And, yes, it's ugly right now, and I'm not making excuses for the losses. And believe me, there's been times I've questioned Matt Petra's decision, as we do with any manager. Bullpen decisions, lineup construction. Tonight, Bobby Wood Jr. is hitting leadoff. We just had a show yesterday indicating that we didn't like that that we don't want to see bobby witt jr at the top of the line we want to see him at three not leading off but nick prado has been struggling and he's been striking out a lot it's about adjusting and he's adjusting with a lot of first and second year players so as far as grades go i think in how he set up this atmosphere the clubhouse i'm going to give it an a i've been in that clubhouse i've seen how these players react it's a fun clubhouse and you may not like that because they're losing But I guarantee you, you want a team that's winning and they celebrate the wins. But when they're losing, they're not getting too low. They're dragging around. They're they're basically isolating themselves. You don't see a lot of isolating with this team. A lot of these guys are close and that's important. You need to have guys that are close together and want to win together. It's what keeps teams together. And especially in seasons like this, look at how they celebrate walk-off wins like yesterday with Freddie for me. You celebrate every win like it's the most important thing you've done. That's important in a long season like this and when you're losing so much. So setting the environment, I give him an A. In terms of roster construction, lineup construction, so far I'll give him a C plus because there's been lineups I really like. There's been lineups I have not agreed with whatsoever. And I thought coming over from Tampa Bay, boom, there's the analytical mind. He's going to know how to put guys in certain spots that make sense. The same time you put a guy in a spot in the lineup it's that player's job to produce it's that player's job to hit drive-in runners with runners in scoring position it's that player's job to work the count draw a walk avoid the strikeout all of that and right now a lot of guys are struggling and he's dealing with that too but I would like to see a different form of this roster I don't want to see Bobby Wood Jr. leading off I'd like to see Michael Garcia leading up I don't want to see Salvador Perez in the two hole I want to see Salvador Perez in the cleanup spot and I know you got to mix and match a lot, but some of these guys don't have big enough platoon splits where you can adjust them so many times. If they're comfortable in a spot, you leave them there. And if they're hitting better and they're bottom of the line, if they're not an everyday player, you got to leave them there. Maybe they don't need to be in the limelight. So, line of construction, C. In terms of, I guess, a fiery, passionate sense, I can't even give a grade to that, really, because Mac has been ejected one time this year. And I think it was disputing either a pitch clock or bowls and strikes. He's even keeled. That's who he is. Ned Yost was a bit more rugged. Mike Bethini, more rugged. He's laid back. He's coming from an organization that's very laid back. And when you win, you're going to appreciate it. When you're losing, you don't. But let's just pump the brakes on year one of giving harsh grades. I saw the poll I tweeted out yesterday. You gave John Sherman a D and F on the press conference. I'm going to tweet this out tomorrow. Matt Quattrero, what grade do you give him? And I really want to analyze it. How harsh are some of you? Because I think with the spot he took over, the team he took over, there was never really an 80-win team in there or even a 75-win team. This was probably going to be a 60-70-win to 70 win team, and you're hoping for a strong second half so you can meet that threshold. But I almost think it's too early to hand out harsh grades. Almost like the this is a practice run, a practice test. And maybe I shouldn't say that, for a big league team that's had a losing season every single year since 2016. You know, maybe I should be more critical, but I'm going to take a step back. I like the hire at the time. I still like it now. It's not snap of the fingers. It's not night and day when you solve all these problems. So for Matt Quattrero and overall grade so far, I'll give him a B minus because I can't give him an A for losing 58 games so far in a first 81 game stretch. I'll give him a B minus because he's dealing with a lot. He's handling a lot of stuff. But I've also liked how he's handled some of the bullpen work. I like how he's handled the as Chapman 90% of the time. I don't want to see him overused. I like how he's used Carlos Hernandez. I've liked the imp- implementation, excuse me, of the opener. But there's a lot of guys that are struggling, and you can't always fix that. Bruce Boshi right now in Texas. No, he's back in Texas, or not back in Texas, but joining Texas for the first time. He's winning a lot of games because there's a lot of proven guys on that team. Now you look at uh, maybe in a situation like San Francisco with the Giants, Gabe Kapler. You know, over time the Giants got really good with players that weren't uh, big time contract players. Maybe you look for that, and that can be the best way to go about it. But almost incomplete. That's how I put the grading system incomplete so far. B minus overall, C plus with the roster construction. I think that's pretty fair for Matt Patricia. Before we go anywhere, we do want to give a shout-out to today's sponsor in FanDuel. And a reminder that with FanDuel, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to over-under to you think is going to be the first-to-home run. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So, what you need to do, sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. When we come back here on Locked On Royals, we have a very, very special guest lined up for us, a former postseason hero in Brandon Finnegan, the 2014 World Series pitcher and college World Series pitcher. He talks about all that next on Locked On Royals. Welcome back into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Network. And we have a very special guest with, uh, with us here today, former postseason hero, of the Kansas City Royals, Brandon Finnegan outpitching for the Kansas City Monarchs. And, and Brandon, I kind of want you to take me back to the beginning here. Uh, really, growing up in baseball, when did you really figure out that this was going to be your future, that you were going to be able to pitch in college, pitch in the big league, pitch at such a high level?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, probably. Um, Probably, you know, in high school is when I first realized that I could possibly, you know, turn this into, you know, a real thing and actually, you know, maybe do something special with baseball. That's when I first started throwing, like, pretty hard, and then, um, you know, I got recruited by TCU and signed there, and um, sophomore year, I had, like, a, a really, really good year, you know, um ERA wise. <laughs> and then went to Team USA and then everything kinda just like fell into place from there. So um, you know, I always loved baseball and sports in general, but um <clears throat> baseball was one that I was always, you know, best at. So I took uh more pride into my work and my, you know, uh stuff to just get better in that in that sport. So uh, you know, I got, got lucky. <laughs> hmm. So you got to pitch in the
0: same year. You were the first big leaguer to do this, pitch in the College World Series and then end up pitching in the Big League World Series that year. If you had to, I guess, get a feeling for it, what was more nerve-wracking for you, pitching in Omaha or getting to pitch in Kansas City and San Francisco in the World Series that same
1: year? Uh, Probably Omaha. Uh, You know, I had more time, I guess, to like – take in what I was going through in college uh, than I did with, uh, you know, the Royals. Um, I think that's also what got me, you know, ready for postseason and playoffs with the Royals is, is Omaha, you know, playing in a, such a big stage with, you know, <clears throat> so many fans. And it was, uh yeah, and starting that game, I guess, is what really, you know, got me ready for it. It was it was fun. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what got me ready for the, the Big League World Series was Omaha. So when you were drafted by Kansas City back there in 2014, did you
0: ever have the expectation that just after 13 outings, you're going to be pitching at the big league level?
1: Uh, Well, they had kind of like told me their plan uh, when I signed. And I, and that was to, you know, go to go to high A. And if I threw well enough there, they'd send me to double A. And then oh, if they were still in contention and I was still throwing well, then they would call me up. And I kind of laughed at them. And I remember, you know, George Brett and Jason Kendall sitting down in the, that meeting with me and they were like, they're not joking. And I was, I was like, oh, okay, well, well, I guess we'll see how it goes. And, you know, everything fell into place. I just went to high and, you know, it was very, very, you know, easy at the time. It just like went out and threw strikes and got outs and then went to double A. And of course, that's where you're like more of your prospects are. And, you know, I threw well there and <clears throat> everything fell into place. It, every single stone had to fall perfectly into place for any of this to happen, it did. And, you know, they were they were still in a playoff push, and they called me up, and I happened to do exactly what they wanted me to do. And that's just, you know, right place, right time.
0: <laughs> and, Brandon, I think every Royals fan labels you as a postseason hero for that September 30th, 2014 wild card game. You having to pitch in extra innings kind of walk me through those final innings. Of course, as, you know, the, the guys like Wade Davis, Kelvin Herrera, they're getting into the game. And all of a sudden that bullpen's getting less and less crowded. And then you're out there. <laughs> Walk me through those final innings, man. I mean, were the nerves racking up? Or were you even did you black out? Uh, I mean, what was that like?
1: It was, you know, it was it was intense. Um, you know, of course, for the first few innings, we definitely thought we were probably gonna be going home, you know. I think the score was like seven to two or something like that. And all of a sudden the boys started just like string along some hits and start scoring some runs. And then we're like, okay, well, there's still a chance. And it got later on in the game. And, like, like, all right, well, this this could get interesting really quick. And, of course, you know, the big guns like Wade and Greg and Kelvin have g- gone out there and did their job and, and shoved. And then, you know, I, being a starter pretty much my entire career, you know, I could go multiple innings. So, I guess that's kind of why they put me in the tent. And I was like, man. They're going to put me in to lose this game. <laughs> but, no, I, I went out there and just, like, kind of just trusted that, you know, all the work I'd put in for, from, you know, my entire life till then had is what got me there and just, you know, it went well for me. And when you actually get out there on the mound, you have a completely
0: sold-out crowd around you. Uh, you're one of the last guys remaining in the bullpen, and you're pumping, like, 95, 96, 97 – what's the adrenaline like in that moment when you're
1: pitching in a playoff game for the first time? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it was, uh, it's tough to describe, you know, because that's just different. It's just a different life, you know, than, than, than anything else. You know, you go out there in a playoff environment and everybody talks about how different playoffs is from a regular season game. And it's, it, it's unbelievably different, um, you know, regular season games, of course there's, you still pack house, but like, Fans know that that game doesn't mean as much as you know a postseason game, and every pitch matters. <clears throat> so when you got forty plus thousand uh, people on their on their feet and cheering, and it's and you can definitely hear them, but it's just one of those things where you have to go out there and kind of you know uh, lock <clears throat> up the crowd and just go out there and just do what you can to to get the job done. Last couple questions for you, Brandon. We appreciate your
0: time here on Locked On Royals. Uh, what was the first thing you remember somebody saying to you in the dugout after you pitched that one, two, three in the 10th? Was there a certain player or coach that came up to you and said something you
1: remember? Uh, I remember um, uh, Shields, James Shields, grabbed me by my, my jersey when I came in and just looked me dead in the face. And he's like, I won't use the words he used, but uh, it was along the line of bat a baby, keep, you know, keep up, keep effing going. Uh just Stay locked in, and you know, I was just like, All right, <laughs> so I went and sat down and did my the rest of my routine for in between innings. And you know, uh, and it's just I guess you can call it history, but it's not really history. But it's just, um, yeah, he, he when I came in, he grabbed me by the jersey and just made sure that I, you know, I, keep, I knew that he knew I did my job and he wanted me to keep going and just give it everything I got.
0: At what point in that outing do you really feel like you settled in? Was it after the first couple pitches? Was it after the first out? The first yeah, uh,
1: usually once I throw the first strike, I'm I feel settled in, and it's a little bit tougher in games like that because it it'd be in playoffs and stuff like that. But uh, I think once I got the first out, I was like, all right, I'm good to go.
0: And now you're back in Kansas City. You're pitching for the Monarchs. You're having a great season. What what's it been like for you? To of course not return exactly back to where you were
1: with the Royals over there
0: in Missouri, but to pitching KCK for the Monarch, the experience been like for you?
1: Uh, it's been fun. You know, we got a really good team here, a team that would probably run through a lot of AAA teams <laughs> in affiliated ball right now. You know, we have a lot of veteran guys, guys that have been around a while with big, big time, and um, just guys that aren't really getting a shot for whatever reason that is. And, you know, baseball is in a weird spot when it comes to that right now. So uh, that part of it sucks, but it's been a lot of fun, you know, with the group of guys that we have here. We have a lot of really good players, really a lot of really good clubhouse guys. And, um, when you, when you're having to go the indie ball route, that's kind of what you want. You know, you want to be able to go out there and just enjoy playing the sport of baseball, and you know, hopefully get back to where you want to be, which is an affiliated ball in big leagues. Well, Brandon,
0: appreciate your time, man, for, for coming on the show here, taking time out of your day. Of course, Jackson told me that you were throwing, but really appreciate it, man. And, uh, I uh, hope, hope you enjoy this interview that we'll post later on.
1: No, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you for keeping it locked on to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. and A big thank you uh, to Brandon Finnegan, who took time out of his day to join us for about 8 to 10 minutes. I, I do apologize for a little bit of the technical difficulties, but if you've ever worked with podcasts before with internet, you understand. It can't always go perfectly. The sound can't always be perfect, but... At least we could have good audio there. I know the camera was a little bit screwed up from time to time, but Brandon was a great interview. Uh, he was just playing catch. He's actually starting tomorrow for the Kansas City Monarchs. So we had a little bullpen session today, came up, he started the interview in the locker room, the clubhouse where it's pretty loud there. And then he was able to move outside and we get a little bit better audio there. But I really do appreciate Brandon doing that because not everybody's going to say yes to coming onto a show or coming onto a podcast. And, especially for a podcast for a team that traded them away after that magical first season he had in Kansas City. But uh, I love being able to sit down with him, and hopefully down the line we can always have him on for another interview. But before we say goodbye for the weekend, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network. Let's look ahead to this series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Not an NL West frontrunner, surprisingly, but do not get it twisted. This is an absolutely loaded lineup. Unbelievably loaded. They've got three guys that are going to be starting in the All-Star game. You have a superstar in Mookie Betts. You have a superstar in Freddie Freeman. You have a superstar in J.D. Martinez. It never ends. It's a team that spends a lot of money. They get the high-priced talent. And they're likely going to be back in the running this offseason with maybe the biggest free agent we've ever seen in Shohei Otani. Will he just walk down the road over to Dodger Stadium from Angel Stadium. I guess for the rest of baseball, we hope that's not the case because Shohei Ohtani and the Dodgers would pretty much be unfair at that point. That would be even fake for a video game. That'd be fake on MLB The Show. But the Dodgers, they've never had a shortage of talent. And this weekend, if you're going to go out to the game, you can see a lot of that talent on the field. I'll actually be out there on Saturday just to enjoy it from a spectator's view. But I want to go out there, see Daniel Lynch pitch, face this Dodgers lineup, and see what you can get from it. Daniel Lynch actually started against the Dodgers last year at Kauffman Stadium, and had five shutout innings, maneuvering out a lot of tough jams, including one I vividly remember, faces loaded nobody out and found a way to get out of that. But it's a young group starting for the Royals this weekend. You've got Alec Marsh, making his major league debut tonight. That'll be coming up here in about an hour or so. Hour or so, excuse me. Then you get Daniel Lynch on Saturday. And Brady Singer, can he build off six shutout innings against Cleveland on Sunday against Tony Gonzalez of the L.A. Dodgers? I guess Royals fans will hope so. But this is the series, to me, uh, you want to go out to. If you're contemplating whether you want to go out to Kauffman Stadium, this is the one to do it. Interleague matchups, I know the schedule's different now where – You get to play everybody, but it's the Dodgers coming to Kansas City, and you got all the pitching matchups you want. You get a rookie making his debut, you get Daniel Lynch on the bump, and you get Brady Singer on the bump. Guys need to prove themselves. As far as the offense, I would say this is going to be another tough series for Kansas City coming off of that series in Cleveland, or against Cleveland, excuse me. Cleveland always going to have that number against Kansas City, it feels like. They're always going to be able to stifle Royals hitters. But it's not going to get any easier when, when facing the Dodgers. Now, they have not listed a starter yet for Saturday. But when looking at the rest of the starters on the weekend, you do get Tony Gonsolin on Sunday. He was fantastic last year for the Dodgers. And, and he's really a guy that I would imagine if I'm putting money down. Of course, FanDuel the sponsor of the show today. If I'm putting money down on it, I'd probably put it at two-and-a-half runs against this Royals lineup, and I'd likely take the under. Bobby Miller, the 24-year-old, is getting the start tonight for the Dodgers against Alec Marsh, 4-1-3 ERA, 32 Ks and 31, or 31 Ks, excuse me, and 32 and two-thirds innings for Bobby Miller and the Dodgers' rotation. Uh, One more stat to point out for tonight, with Alec Marsh and Dodgers facing a rookie pitcher for the first time. What have the Dodgers done when facing a kid making his major league debut? Going back to 2017, the Los Angeles Dodgers have not lost to a rookie pitcher. And the ERA of that rookie pitcher has a sum average of nine plus, nine plus for the ERA. So Alec Marsh has his work cut out for him tonight against a very, very dangerous. Dodgers lineup. And before we say goodbye once again for the weekend, let's give you a rundown of the lineups tonight for the Kansas City Royals and the Los Angeles Dodgers. First, for the visiting LA Dodgers, Mookie Betts will be leading off and playing second base. Freddie Freeman will be batting second and playing first. It'll be Will Smith doing the catching and batting third. Max Muncie will be over the hot corner third. He's doing cleanup. JD Martinez will be DHing and hitting in the fifth spot. David Peralta will be hitting sixth. He's in left field. Jason Hayward, who's had a resurgence with the Dodgers. He'll hit seventh and play right field. It'll be James Outman, who's been a surprise for the Dodgers this year, batting eighth and playing center field. And Miguel Rojas rounding it up, batting ninth and playing shortstop. As for the Kansas City Royals, leading off and playing shortstop, it'll be Bobby Witt Jr. Batting second and in left field, MJ Melendez. Batting third and DHing. it'll be Salvador Perez. Batting fourth and doing the cleanup over at the hot corner, Michael Garcia. Batting fifth and first base after being bumped from the leadoff spot. It'll be Nick Prado batting sixth, the walk-off here from yesterday, and was talked about on our show yesterday in Lockdown Royals. It'll be Freddie Fermeen catching and batting sixth, batting seventh in center field. It'll be Kyle Isbell batting eighth and playing right field, who's been on a recent tear of late over his last seven games. It will be Drew Waters and rounding it out, batting ninth, playing second base will be Nikki Lopez. We want to thank you for tuning in to our first week of Locked On Royals, and can't wait to keep this going all season long. Even if you're tired of watching a team lose, I hope you'll be enthused and excited to watch me talk about this team possibilities and what can we can expect heading into the All-Star break. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.